Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brent Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to spell out and draw galloping unicorns while harvesting pizza with a side of apple rumors. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I always like a side of apple rumors. Yeah. I always finish You don't want it as the main side. entree. No. <laughs> well, there's never enough concrete stuff there to, to satisfy you for a full entree. Right. And so we'll start right there with the main kind of big piece this week is that Apple is reportedly working on an Alexa competitor or the Echo competitor, essentially, where Amazon builds Alexa right into the Echo. It comes in two forms. There's the cheaper $50 option, or there's like the speaker tower $150 option. So Apple's supposedly competing with that by building Siri right into their own device. And it's going to look essentially like the top of the Mac Pro. Like they cut it off. It almost looks kind of like a donut. And I mean, Apple definitely has the voice recognition system, but... It seems like Amazon built Alexa to really tie into their kind of infrastructure. So just having a separate device that replicates what your iPhone does, I don't know about. See, Amazon doesn't have that built-in, you know, infrastructure that Apple already does with hardware. Right. Yeah, it it kind of doesn't make sense for Apple to do this because people already have their phones and a lot of people already have the Hey Siri enabled on their phone. So what are you going to do if you start saying Hey Siri? People's phones are going to start going off, or your phone will start going off before maybe your your little standalone device. I have one of the little Echo Dots at home, and we, you can use it for some kind of automation, which I think is really where they're hoping people use it for, like, the HomeKit stuff with this new Apple one. But we tend to use it just for getting the weather or maybe asking some quick questions, which I suppose we could use our phones, but having that little speaker right on our counter in the kitchen is convenient to just quickly find out the weather or things. So I, I don't know. I think it's a little too late for them to be trying to come in. And like you said, they have a competing product already, which is the phone that most people already have with them all the time. So it's kind of weird, but I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't really see where they're going to go with it. They, and supposedly it's going to be more expensive than the Amazon products, so which makes even less sense. Yeah, I guess it's just because Amazon has one and then Google has their Google Home system. So Apple's like, well, if we want a HomeKit thing, people don't maybe think of their phones as home automation like you mentioned. And that's the only yeah, I, reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's always there, so it could kind of act as like a, a hub for HomeKit. But then again, that's what the Apple TV is supposed to really do. But, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't have the voice stuff with the Apple TV, at least not now. Maybe they'd add that in for the Apple TV for the next model. But, Sorry, I didn't oops, get that. Oh, no, hey, Siri, start going off on my iPad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, it's kind of weird, and I, I, I know I read something because I bought my dot when all the Black Friday sales were going on, and I read something at the time that Amazon was losing a ton of money on the hardware, but because they were getting people into their infrastructure, that now maybe they'd buy, uh, Alexa-enabled products for for automation, or they'll order st more stuff because it's super easy because you can just say, Alexa, order me such and such. Fortunately, my Alexa is downstairs, so I'm not ordering stuff. Uh, and so I, I can see where they're going to, that would be useful in their side, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know about this. This is kind of weird. 
That's classic Amazon taking a loss to get their platform into more people. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what they... And but the, that's with, not like, Apple's... No. You know, Apple upcharges you on hardware and worries about the rest later. Right. They want to make tons of money up front on that hardware, which is why it's probably going to be even more expensive. And that's pretty much the Apple rumors for the week. This is supposedly coming by WWDC, which seems like odd just because Apple is so focused on software for the event. But maybe we'll see it. If not, I guess there's the iPhone event in the fall. Well, I guess, it, I mean, there could be a Siri update coming to everything. So I guess it could tie into software. I guess we'll see, though. Yep. And so speaking of software, there's plenty of new apps. And we'll start off with TV Guide app. But this isn't actually from the TV Guide. It's by Zine. <laughs> so the full title is TV Guide app dash TV shows, movies, and news by Zine. So it's essentially Zine's take on the TV Guide. And the main emphasis is to give you kind of video trailers in the discovery mode right that play automatically as you're browsing through so you'll see house of cards or you might see orange is the new black or whatever the case may be a new trailer for guardians of the galaxy and then you can swipe up to read more about that particular entity and you can have a one click or one tap to then be able to see what your viewing options are so you could be taking a netflix or maybe it's a hulu show or you can see upcoming movie show times depending on what you do indeed pick and then you can particularly follow shows. So in the House of Cards example, if you were following it, you would be updated today that there's a new trailer for season five and it's going to launch on May 30th. So if you're following shows, you get updates built right in and alerts tied right into the app. Yeah, I should just, before I say anything, it's spelled Zine with two E's, just so if you're trying to find it, Z-E-E-N. Uh, but the thing I like about this is it... It's more geared toward uh, popular shows, so it helps you to find things that are, are currently popular that maybe you somehow might have missed out on. But then even once you start to see all these things that are starting to trend, you can see – uh, when you go in that more detailed view, you can see like how many episodes, how many seasons they've been on. So there might be a show that you've been hearing all this about, and you're like, well, how far am I behind in this thing? Because if I really want to try to to binge it on Netflix, you can see it's available on Netflix right in that detailed thing. It tells you exactly how many seasons. It tells you how many episodes. It tells you who's in it, and then you can click on like the cast members, and and it shows you like a nice little thumbnail of them. So it's it's a it's actually a, like a much better organized version of imdb when you get down to it imdb looks like crap now so this is actually like really well organized and super easy to just flip through and see where you can view this content or like you said follow certain contents you know when it's coming like maybe a show is going off for for it's like mid-season break now you'll get notified when it's back or, or on netflix when all of a sudden they drop all the episodes of a certain new season of a show that you happen to watch you'll get notified of all that so it's nice to have these little reminders of all these shows that you start to jumble and lose track of just because nowadays the whole schedule is just not the same as it used to be. Like start shows start and stop at random times, it seems. And all of a sudden something will come out. That you had no idea that it was coming back at this early. And so it's nice to have this, all those reminders kind of set and then you can forget about it. And then all of a sudden it's like a little present when it tells you, Hey, the show's back. And it really emphasizes what's trending. So 13 reasons why is showing up today while we're, 
recording. So it's the first thing showed in the app. And then it has Genius, which just started on National Geographic about Albert Einstein. And to mention 404 is just premiering on Hulu. So these are things right at the top banner of this app. So it really emphasizes what's trending and what's new, regardless of what platform it's on. Right. Yeah. And that way you'll never ha- like I forgot the genius was starting up and I'm like, oh, crap, I should have set that. So now now I, I was reminded when I loaded this app up. But yeah, so it's nice that you're I mean, it, it would be nice to have it revisit old stuff, but it's good that they're focusing on the new stuff because I think that's where it's going to be most popular. Otherwise, you can search for old stuff, but it's uh, really the new stuff. It's where you want. And then one funny thing is that. Once you follow certain items, it presents a watch list. And right now I'm following two shows on Netflix, one on Hulu, and then Genius on Natural Geographic. But watch list only Genius shows up because it actually airs at specific times. Everything else is available now. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That view looks a little weird. (laughs) I'm I'm wondering if... uh... House of Cards will show up once they drop the new season. Like if it once it shows up, like you think they would just put it right here watch. for May thirtieth because they have Sunday May twenty eighth June fourth for this show. Oh, okay. Would put... So they do have the dates there. Yeah. No, I'm saying I know the date, but it's not showing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an oversight. Hopefully, they yeah. add that in. But then you can also find movies based on if it's coming to theaters or it just was released on digital disc. Like La La Land just came out to watch in iTunes. Or you can see Guardians of the Galaxy coming out this weekend. So you have those built in too. Yep. Yeah, it's nice that they have both movies and TV in here. And they find a lot of news stories about these various entities. Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of an entertainment news reading app too if you... One to slice it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. So it can be your one-stop shop to uh, to see what's coming and what's out now. And so that's TV Guide app, TV shows, movies, and news by Zine. And then there's Marvel Color Your Own, which is essentially a lot like the Disney coloring book app, but with a Marvel version. And that Marvel version also includes Star Wars, so it's Disney's other big major properties. And it's really similar interface. We've talked about coloring books in the past. This one makes it really easy to choose between if you want the quick color fill, the free form color wherever you want, or they have an advanced mode where you can essentially select a portion and then you just brush in that specific portion. So if you go over the lines, it doesn't matter because you're just selected on that specific version. And this offers finger paint or Apple Pencil support. Yeah, and it's nice with that, being able to go over the line segment where it pretty much learns because it knows where you first started tapping and dragging. So it, it'll know the section you're trying to fill. So you don't even have, it's not like you really have to be careful. As soon as you start coloring in that section, it knows that you want to stay in those lines and you're not going to go over them, which is pretty nice. But in, in the, the, photos that they have are pretty detailed there there's a lot of little things to color in if you want and you can get and then with the colors themselves if you use the the paintbrush style you can kind of really get uh like almost a professional shading job where the more you go over a section the darker it'll get and then if you kind of just lightly brush over an area that'll be lighter it can really form these nice gradients as you're coloring them in 
Yeah, really ornate pictures. They had one where it was a Millennium Falcon scene with so many different little sections to color in. You know, it's not like just really cartoony. It looks like an authentic image or like poster frame art for Star Wars, and you can color it any different way you want. And then it does include a, quite a few different free pages. I didn't see exactly how many free pages, but it seems like you at least have daily content to access for free. But if you want to go all in unlimited, it's seven ninety nine a month or thirty nine ninety nine a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's that usual style where for each one of the little segments you get, you get about like two free pages for each one. And I'm not sure. Is it daily that they switch them out? I'm, I'm not really sure how often they switch them out. But it is nice that there's a nice variety of things to color in within the Marvel and Star Wars universe. Yeah, you can color in your Guardians of the Galaxy to prepare for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I already got my tickets. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so that's... It's a free download. It's free. It's universal. Marvel Color Your Own. And that's pretty much the new apps, which allows us to transition over to some new games. And the first few games are familiar. The next two are more unique. So we'll start off with Robot Unicorn Attack 3, which continues the series of that side-scrolling endless runner where you tap or double-tap to jump and clear various items, and then you can tap the left side of the screen to blast through stars. And it plays a lot like Robot Unicorn Attack 2. It looks relatively familiar as well and the main kind of differentiator is that you have a new stable of unicorns and you can unlock them and then you still have that three wish system where you run as long as you can die and then you can restart right within that same run but now you the wishes are tied to these different unicorns in your stable that you're going to unlock yeah, it's 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 very very similar. I was trying to remember what was. It's been a long time since I played the second one, and this even this game I saw two years ago in like a little private uh, sit down. Uh, I knew this was coming with when I sat down with the the Cartoon Network and Adult Swim people, and so I knew this was in the works, but then it didn't show up last summer. So then now it's out this summer, but it doesn't seem like a lot has changed. In fact, it almost seems. A little more. There's not a lot of difference when you're you're going through these long runs. I, I wish there was a little more variety in in the the scenery that it would change a lot more. There'd be other obstacles. You're pretty much just running, jumping, and then you can kind of either if you jump up high enough, you could get yourself on the high ground or you stay on the low ground. There'll be things you have to blast through periodically, and then there's these little like fairies you can collect. And if you collect enough of them, then you go into like this like war trippy mode where you can really pick up tons of these unicorn tears or uh and build up your supply quickly but it uh it, it to me it was it's I, I don't know i just wish there was a little more to it it seems like it's too samey to the to the first two and i i was hoping that in all this time that they had come up with something a little more different i give them big kudos for the erasure soundtrack although it is only the same song over and over and over again but i i mean it's still kind of weird and quirky but i just wish there was a little more to it yeah Really, every single run plays very similarly, and even more so if you're familiar with the second in the series. And not only that, but as we advance years through the App Store, these endless side-scrolling games, I mean, that seems like it's dying or dead. You don't see that many as often as you used to because there's just been so many. They kind of burnt that 
genre is you know they've done all the possible ideas you could come up with so seeing a new one it's not really new it's just another version of it a different skin and then this skin we've seen before so it kind of piles upon itself to defeat the purpose as soon as it launches right and even within the game there's all these different unicorn types and I really didn't notice that much of a difference between how the different unicorns handle each other. Like, they seem pretty much identical. They had different powers, like some of them helped you ramp up on the unicorn tiers faster, or some of them helped your score go up faster. But otherwise, they they looked a little bit different than one another, but they didn't really behave differently, which I would have, like, anything to add variety, because when you have an endless game, you need something to change while you're going through. Otherwise, it, it, people are going to bored and quit before they die. And I think they they could really revamp the series if they just took some chances and did something a lot different rather than just kind of rehash this. But uh, it's still, I mean, if you haven't played AM before, then why not jump on it? I mean, if you like Erasure and you just want to hear always over and over again, um, that's another reason to pick it up. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know. It's tough to recommend this one just because of just how repetitive it is. I believe that's the full tagline. Robot Unicorn Attack 3. Bored and quit before you die. But <laughs> <laughs> it's free. It's universal, so you can definitely give it a try. And then there's Pictionary, which is the official Hasbro-licensed version of Draw Something or Charadium or <laughs> any of these games that you've probably played before. But now it has that official branding where you draw a picture. It's a turn-based kind of online setup. You send their turn over. They try to guess what you draw then back and forth, back and forth. Me and you are playing, and it, I mean, it's been done before, but it's still a relatively engaging concept. You give a word, and you try to draw it out, and within one turn, you get to first guess their drawing, and then you do your own drawing. So you have two kind of moves to make in your spare time as you're playing this in the turn-based setup. Yeah, and so you actually, there's two different game modes you can do. So there's one where it's just the turn base, which is what you and I have been playing, where it's that one-on-one uh, one -on -one where you're going back and forth with a single friend. Then there's another mode. I haven't had a chance to try this out yet, but it's a two versus two, and you're doing it in real time. So it's kind of more like Pictionary, where you're trying to have, like, the actual board game Pictionary, where you're trying to have your teammate guess the thing uh, so that you can score points before time runs out. And I, I assume that's how that plays. I haven't actually had a chance to play that mode yet, but it feels very much like draw something, just in the, the fact that the way they're monetizing it is you get a limited number of colors and a limited number of utensils to draw with. And then as you keep on playing and getting things right, you earn coins and you have these chests that earn you coins and then earn you cards towards unlocking additional uh, colors for like maybe the pencil or the pen or maybe you now unlock the highlighter now you can use the highlighter but then once you unlock the highlighter now you can unlock additional colors where draw something you had choices of what you wanted to buy like you say oh I really like that color I want to go buy that color so I have that color this one you're more stuck on these random upgrades that are kind of preset and you basically have to keep building up your that way rather than you can't 
pick and choose exactly what you want to go to next. But you're given enough at the outset that you really don't necessarily need these upgrades. But obviously, they will help you if you really want to get detailed in your pictures further down the road. So I have tried that two-on-two live mode, and it's more kind of tries to replicate the party idea. And yeah. so you, you're both guessing the same word. And it has your person, the other person's drawing, and then in the upper right corner is a little thumbnail of the other person trying to draw. So you get to see kind of in real time as they're drawing, and then you just try to be the first one to guess. It's weird that they've okay. set it up where it's just one round. It's not like, okay, this team won one round, and then this team wins the next round. It's one round, and then it goes back out, and you can start a brand new game with four online people. Maybe it's just because of that real-time aspect. They didn't want to tie up people too long. So it's pretty much just like the all-play mode in Real Pictionary, where you're yeah. having both teams drawing at the same time and you're competing. Okay, that makes sense. The, the one problem, I played a few games, and then there the word was type, and the other team you could see, they just wrote out type on the screen and they won. So, I hate that, yes. Yeah, you, when you're playing kind of with one other person who's a friend... The score doesn't matter. It's completely irrelevant. It's not like there's some online connection or anything. So it doesn't matter. It would be so boring to just write out the word on the screen to just draw it out. But in that real time, people, I guess, have such... I don't I don't know what the incentive possibly is because there's they no really win-loss win. record or anything yeah. like that tied to it. But, yeah, I hate when people cheat. <laughs> they, people would do it and draw something, too, where like you don't need to write out the word. If I don't guess it, I don't guess it. I mean, it's not a big deal. Like, I'd rather ha take a chance and try and guess it. You seem to have unlimited number of guesses in this. Like, you yeah. can guess wrong and say a number of times. I don't think it ever boots you out or, or penalizes you for it. It's only if you want more and more clues, then it'll cost you additional coins to get clues. But... If you don't care about clues and you just give up on the thing and, okay, so your streak is shot down, who cares? Like, you're supposed to be fun. And uh, so, it, like, there was someone I was playing against, a random player, and they, they wrote out a word because their they thought their drawing was so terrible. Like, it, how they couldn't draw a hanger, I don't understand. But they drew this little horrible-looking hanger and then wrote the word hanger. I'm like, I, and so I just ended the game, deleted that run of games because I don't want to play with somebody who's going to write the word out right and so that is Pictionary it seems like there's quite a few people have downloaded because it's free it's universal when I tried those online matches it found three other people within seconds it's really stable connection so that's a neat kind of inclusion beyond the just familiar turn-based style yeah, and this comes from the the Eater Max who did uh, the trivia crack games. So it has okay. that same cartoony, uh, fun little style with the the characters and the crayons and things on the screen. Good to know. And so next up is Anti Type. It comes from Border Leap, and they've made a few different puzzle games. And one word game they previously made was Alpha Omega which was a unique take where the middle of the word is all scrambled up, but you could still figure it out just by connecting kind of the letters ideas. Your mind figures out how to unscramble it just because they're familiar words. And so it was a different word game style. And Anti-Type is a similar different word game idea, but it's a completely different style than Alpha Omega. In this game, you tap on a letter and the adjacent letters move one letter forward in the alphabet. So if every letter is A, and you tap the middle A, then the two ones on the left and the right become Bs, and the one directly below it would also become a B. 
in that case of a scenario. And the words you're trying to figure out are opposites. So you have high and low, up and down, whatever the case may be, and they become more and more difficult, more expansive words that are opposites. And each letter can only be tapped two times. So you really need to figure out the best spot to tap to move the letters that you need to create the words. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's almost two puzzles in one. You're looking at this scrambled, these two scrambled words that are one right atop of each other, and you're trying to figure out what could these be turned into that are not only just legitimate words, but then they have to be opposites of one another. And when you first go into the puzzle, it does give you a little clue of kind of what you're thinking about. Like it might say uh, temperature or something. And so, you know, oh, okay. So maybe it's hot and cold, but you're, you're trying to figure it out and you don't really know. And like you said, you have to plan out exactly where you're going to tap because you only get a limited number of taps to solve this thing. And so it's kind of nice. You kind of almost have to sit and think about it before you do your tapping. And so you do a little mental kind of mixing up of things and then you go for it. And some of them you'll just tap on something like, oh, that's what it was. And so it'll kind of solve itself with the one tap because you kind of knew what one of the words was going to be and then all of a sudden you solved them both but other ones it really does take a little bit of thought and planning to once you start getting those bigger words to tap exactly what you need to to convert in in the right way and then sometimes you have to remember the alphabet like okay it's an M. <laughs> yes. it's like okay q and then you like go through the alphabet to figure it out and then you try to find which letters can kind of anchor a word like which ones you think might be right like if it goes QRL, you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure there's no word like that. So maybe the R and L usually go together. So we just have to flip the Q and you kind of go that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You start, and you start to learn tricks as you play more and more of these. I, I think there's like over 300 of them in all. So like as you start to play some of them, you'll you'll learn little tricks and see little patterns. And like, oh, okay, this is exactly. And then you start to think in that, that opposites kind of form where you're like okay i know one of the words now what could this one be and then you just start thinking of opposite words until you something will click and then you know oh okay that's how i gotta get it now i just gotta get it there and then it's worth noting that the 325 included levels you can't skip so if you're on level 25 of 325 you can't get to level 26 until you figure out level 25 and i don't believe there's a hint system at least one i couldn't figure out beyond the theme no, but if you do enough wrong, then you can restart it. Yeah, no, the theme, I think, seems to be your only thing. But usually that's pretty helpful. If you start to look at it, I found it to be pretty helpful to figure them out. Yeah, but it's anti-type. It's $1.99. It's universal. And if you like just like a new idea for a word game, that's definitely what anti-type delivers. Yep. And then there's Topsoil, which we talked about after GDC, and now it's available for everyone. It is a free download, and the game kind of takes that familiar matching mechanic and makes it a little bit difficult because you're given three essentially plant types. It might be wheat or cotton balls or flowers, and your goal is to place them into the grid so that you actually can then harvest them out. So you place three items, and then you have a harvesting turn. And your goal is, obviously, to harvest the biggest match matches that you can. And you need to be aware that 
you need to have three open spots for your next turn. So whatever you harvest, if you don't, like say you harvest something and there's only two open spots in your grid, well, you're not going to have three open spots and then you're going to be out of moves and game over. So your goal is to always have three open spots at the end of any kind of harvesting giving turn. And then once you get to that point where, okay, I got the idea of how to do it, they start throwing more complex plants where you have like an acorn that then takes five turns to sprout into a full acorn tree. Same thing for a pine tree, or you might have mushrooms that disappear after three turns by themselves, or maybe you need to harvest them early because you need that gap. And so you have more different plant types to figure out. And then the grid that you're planting in, it shifts color. So say you have one whole yellow grid, and then you make a match of three wheat in the upper right corner. That now becomes a green space. So those three green spaces aren't connected to the blue spaces, so you can't make a match within them. So you always do want to build out kind of your colored ground base to be the same colors so you can make those big matches. Right, yeah, the theme of this planting is perfect for how they've designed the game because you're trying to plant these like plants together so that when it comes time to harvest them, you rip out a whole section of your grid to have like a whole area that's all connected to one another to start planting new plants. And you really kind of have to plan out things, but then inevitably you're not going to have the spot to put all the like plants together or maybe they're not in that same color so you know you're not gonna be able to harvest them all at the same time but you can't get greedy and leave all these spots open in hopes that you're gonna be able to get more of those plant types in the future and really kind of chain them together to get a big match and increase your score because you like you said you always have to make sure you have three left over otherwise it's game over because if you don't have the room to to plant your next grouping of plants you're going to get two in and then all of a sudden you're it's going to say you're out of room and then you have to start all over again so as much as you want to build out those combos and really kind of wait and slow play things and, and plan it all out, you still have to play reactively to make sure you're going to have room to continue on playing. So it's, it's a nice little brain twister and it, like it is tough. You start to learn little things here and there, but once things start coming out with those, you have to wait three turns or two turns or five turns. Those will really throw you off because they're going to take up space, valuable spaces for a long time. Then if you open up all these one single types, like one next to each other, you're not going to be able to clear out three spaces when it comes to harvest time. And then you're going to just be out of luck. They do show you the next three plant types when you're in the harvest mode. So you can kind of, okay, I don't want to, maybe I have three wheat and I have two open spots and two of the next three are going to be wheat. So maybe I don't want to harvest those. I might waste harvesting one just because I can build a bigger match later. So you can kind of balance that strategy with it. And then it is just an endless high score challenge, but it seems like as soon as you lose, you kind of want to play again to better your score because you have a better idea of the plant types you're going to face and the way to kind of clear the grid and alternate the colors so you build back up one ground layer. Right, and, and they do a nice job of introducing new types of, of plants pretty regularly. So you'll you'll think you've seen them all, and then all of a sudden some weird new thing will come out. Then there's all these little ones with birds on them that'll come out. And so there's all these different things that start to come out that make it a little more complex, but 
there's always that high score to drive you to move forward. And right now you're my high score that's driving me forward because I want to beat you. And I just, I keep on dying in like right around the same point range. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm not leaving myself three spots, but <laughs> uh, it, it's still tough. Like you think you're planning it out and then all of a sudden you'll look up what's coming up next and you're like, Oh, Nope, I'm not going to be able to clear three spots by that next turn. Okay, this is the end of this game. Start over. So the funniest yeah, it's, it's thing fun. is that that score, I've tried to replicate it, and I haven't been able to. <laughs> it was like the second time I played, and I've played a bunch since then, and I don't even get half of that. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's Topsoil. It's free. It's universal. And finally for this week is Ninja Pizza Girl, which I got to see at GDC 2016. So it's been over a year. It's finally available for iOS. It's been on other platforms before. And the game is a quick action platformer that is reminiscent of Mirror's Edge. As you play as a girl who needs to go and deliver pizzas for her dad's shop because traffic is so bad. So the quickest way to get around is parkour through rooftops. And that means you're going to be needing to have some pretty quick skill to be able to pull off the parkour move. So you have the left and right buttons on the left side of the screen, and then you have either the jump button or the slide button. So you're going to need to jump over gaps or slide under barriers, and that's kind of the core idea. There's an actual story mode where you need to deliver specific pizzas to specific places. There's arrows within this rooftop world to kind of guide you around, and you usually have about three minutes to deliver the pizza. So it's going to be a long run to move through things. And then there's also three kind of levels, or there might even be more. So if you fall down, you might then start running on a lower level, kind of like Robot Unicorn Attack. But there's more incentive because there's like little hidden objects that you can pick up. So you might go back on a run and go pick up those objects later. But if you just want to kind of deliver the pizza, you can focus on that, but you have the ability to drop down to a lower level and then climb back up. And so you'll have double jump, wall jump, and then the dash. And so once you get a hang of that, they introduce enemy pizza delivery ninja chicks and to dispose <laughs> of them, you can either de slide through their legs to take them out or do a quick double jump and you kind of jump on their head. So you have those two maneuvers and it just adds an extra element to contend with as you're hopping along and trying to deliver the pizzas. Nice. Yeah, I haven't tried this one out, but from the pictures, my immediate thoughts were there was it looked a lot like the Mirror's Edge game that unfortunately is no longer on the App Store, but uh so this is these are like short well, 3 minute speed run levels right it's so it's not like an endless setup your your goal is to reach the end within the three minute timer right yeah you have to deliver that pizza before it becomes too cold and the customer no longer wants it and then there's a brand new story mode with a completely different layout to run through so is there a lot of variety in the layouts for the runs or are they kind of just the same structures just reused over and over again they're like, pretty different. I mean, okay, cool. since you have those different levels to run through, you know, you might be running on the top of the buildings or you might go to the midsections. No matter what you do, the green arrows that direct you to the destination are going to have you then moving down or moving back up. Or you might slide down a long thing and then there's moving like swaying pillars that you can jump across. So there's pretty 
numerous different uh, varied obstacles to come across. And as far as like the speedrun aspect, are there ways that like normally with speedruns, I like to the ones that have obvious ways that maybe you can shave time off if you replay them and re and redo them. Like maybe there's a, I can try this and maybe shave a little bit of time off. Does it seem like it's that type of thing or is it just like there's not much you can do? You follow kind of like the path it's leading you down but there's no other way like you might be able to find a shortcut that could carve time off and maybe you'd finish it faster. So there's the story mode and then there's a separate speed run mode. So that kind of is where you want to focus on the idea because since you can take those multiple paths, there's ways to cut down your time. Okay, cool. Like when you played the story mode, maybe you fell down because you didn't realize where a gap was. So maybe you don't want to fall down this time. You might want to try it out or you messed up with a particular enemy. That's, I think, where you're going to come shaving down time. It's not more about exploring the different kind of layers around. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so that is Ninja Pizza Girl. It's two ninety nine. It's universal. And I think that's everything for episode 17. Yep. That's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yes. Pleasure as always. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.